Oh, good morning. Uh, it's one of my favorite days of the year. If you're joining us online this morning, you're checking out uh, this message on podcast. Uh, today is our senior Sunday, so we've celebrated those in our church who've graduated, and uh, such a great day. I, I walked around this morning, and I saw there weren't Kleenex boxes. I was like, we've got to get some Kleenex boxes dispersed around this area. And, and when your son, Rachel, started speaking those words over you, I looked over. I was like, she's got to be crying. But you weren't crying yet, so we cried for you while he spoke those words over you. Uh, just a, such, a, such a beautiful, beautiful morning. Uh, let me uh, give you a couple of just little information pieces, and then I'll, I want to open up uh, the last sermon in our uh, series uh, on risk. Uh, but before that, Casey and I have been asked to co-host a trip to Israel next year. Uh, so we're looking like a year and a half away, and some details are coming together over the next few weeks. If you're interested in going with us, find one of us, call us, text us, shoot us an email, grab us after church, and just let us know that you're interested. Also, next Sunday is uh, Mother's Day. If you didn't know, you should know, all right? So um, get your mom a gift. But I, I, what I really want to make you aware of is next Sunday, uh, I, I'm not the best, and I don't really preach Mother's Day sermons and Father's Day sermons, uh, but we're gonna, I'm going to preach a Mother's Day sermon next week. Casey's going to join me for some of the teaching time next Sunday, and we've been crafting this message that, that I've wanted to preach for a long time, just this Mother's Day idea that we want to we be able to celebrate moms, but we, we want this to be a Mother's Day for all people, and we know that there are a lot of emotions and different voices uh, that need to be expressed when it comes to what a Mother's Day, what, what it is. So uh, I want you to know it's going to be a Mother's Day for all people. So it may be a great Sunday for you to invite someone who needs to hear some good news about Jesus and some good news about relationships. Uh, so I invite you to come next Sunday for that. Uh, this is a tenth and final uh, sermon in a series that we have called Risk. And I wanted this sermon series to end on, on Senior Sunday because this is what we, we hope that we're raising uh, people to be is that... We want them to be risk takers. And Carter, I mean, you stood up here earlier and you shared about how a youth group taught you to get out of your comfort zone. And I hope that Sycamore View will always be that church and that, and that you all will end up in churches one day that teach you that that's not just something that happens in a youth group. But don't, no matter what age we are, that we follow Jesus in a way that it's adventurous, it's full of life, it's full of purpose. I hope the nine of you, I guess 10 of you, or nine of you, we're missing one. And then we have one right now sitting with you that's not graduating, just supporting everybody, right? Uh, but I, I hope you know that I, I hope Sycamore View has introduced you to Jesus in a way that you know he's more than a get-out-of-hell-free card. He's more than a safety net. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And he is, we want to model all of our life after him. So growing up and teaching you what it means to be an adult is more than getting a certificate and a full-time job and having a plan for life. It's that Jesus becomes a center of life no matter where we are or how old we are. So with that said, open your Bibles to Acts chapter 27 and 28 this morning. Um, Rick Gillespie introduced me to a, a book that Mark uh, Batterson wrote, this best-selling author. He's a pastor out on the East Coast. And there's this one chapter in the book where uh, Pastor Mark talks about hiking the Grand Canyon. Now, my family and I, we've been to the Grand Canyon before. We did not hike because my family doesn't do that kind of stuff. Uh, but in 1990, we took a road trip to the Grand Canyon. Uh, we took two big road trips when I was growing up. 
and the first one was 1990. We drove to the Grand Canyon. Now, we had a big Astro van back in those days. This is back before DVDs. We didn't even have Game Boys in 1990, all right? We, uh, were, all we had was us. Like, it was just us in a car driving from East Texas to the Grand Canyon. And, and it was just us and acapella cassette tapes, right? If you didn't grow up Church of Christ, just know that there was this group acapella, and, like, it came with baby formula when we were young, all right? It's just what we did, and it's, it was four-part harmony, and there were five of us in the car, but it didn't matter because they didn't let me sing, so four-part harmonies just went on, all right, on our trip. We got to the Grand Canyon, and I remember getting out of the car just for a few minutes and being amazed at the scenery, but there was no way we were going to do a hike. We just, we had our video camera out, which back then, you know, it wasn't a phone, and it wasn't one of those little ones. We, you know, it, you had to put it up on the shoulder to video our family around the Grand Canyon. Now, Pastor Mark went a few years ago, and he decided to hike with his 12-year-old son. It was a 23.2-mile hike over two days in 110-degree weather. A mile descent, a mile ascent on the other side. He said a few hours into their trip, he kept asking his 12-year-old son on a scale of 1 to 10, how bad do you hurt? And after about three hours, the answer was, Dad, I'm already at a negative 1, all right? Uh, he, he lost 13 pounds on that trip, two days. It's called the Grand Canyon Diet, all right? Maybe you should try it sometime, who knows? They get to the other side after two days, and as they're about to come out of the Grand Canyon, they look up and they see all these people taking pictures, and they're standing around, and they're looking out, and they're amazed at the scenery. But he said they didn't appreciate it the way we did, because they had gone through the canyon. And Pastor uh, uh, Mark, he said that they were seeing the Grand Canyon, but they were missing out on it at the same time. And he made this statement. He said, you can't truly see what you have not personally experienced. You cannot truly see what you have not personally experienced. That as they come out, and the phrase he gave the people who stand around but don't want to hike it, all right, he called them rim huggers. That they just want to hug the rim. I want to stay right here and hug the rim. I don't want to dive in. I don't want to hike it. I just want to hug the rim. He said that when they came out of the Grand Canyon, they stood next to rim huggers with the same view, but they did not appreciate it the same way because they had been through it. And for the graduating seniors and for the church, we want to help place Jesus in front of all of us in a way that it's more than something you appreciate. He is something we dive into. In Acts chapter 27, you come to the end of the book of Acts, and uh, Paul gets in a boat. Now, if you haven't read your Bible much, when uh, Paul gets into a boat, there's a good chance the boat's going to wreck. So Acts 27, like they're in this, they end up in this major storm. It goes on for 14 days. I've told you a story. I mean, Casey and I were out for one hour on a boat outside of Cabo with 12 to 15 foot waves, and people were sick all over it. Can you imagine being in a storm on a boat for 14 days. And when it comes to the end of 14 days, Paul says this in verse 33, just before daybreak, Paul urged all of them to take some food, saying, today's the 14th day that you have been in suspense and remaining without food, haven't eaten nothing. Therefore, I urge you to take some food for it'll help you survive, for none of you will lose a hair from your heads. I bet a lot of the people had zero appetite, right? And listen to this. After he had said this, and this sounds just like something Jesus would do or that Jesus did do. It sounds like communion. It sounds like the Eucharist. After he had said this, he took bread, 
and giving thanks to God in the presence of everybody, he broke it and began to eat. And then all of them were encouraged and took food for themselves. And we were in all 276 people on the ship. After they had satisfied their hunger, they lightened the ship by throwing the wheat into the sea. They had this meal in the middle of a storm that they had been in for 14 days. When Paul gets on a ship, it's like it turns into an episode of Deadliest Catch, you know. And the boat, it ends up that they wreck and they get to shore. And then you think everything's fine. They've made it to shore. And then Paul's like trying to help start this fire. And a viper bites him. Have you been to the Memphis Zoo? Have you seen the viper in the Memphis Zoo? I walk around that viper inside the cage because I've heard stories. They can like bite straight through glass, all right? And it's a viper that latches onto his hand. So the book of Acts ends with shipwrecks and snake bites. Uh, Truett, we were shooting hoops last night, and he said, Hey, Dad, what, what are you preaching on tomorrow? And I said, Well, man, it's Senior Sunday, so we're going to honor a lot of graduating seniors. But when I stand up to preach, I'm going to talk about shipwrecks and snake bites. And he said, Oh, I've got to listen to this one, Dad. All right. I've got to pay attention this time. This has got to be awesome. But have you, like, the book of Acts begins with this bang. Like within two chapters, 3,000 people have been baptized into Christ. By chapter 4 and 5, over 5,000 people, you have growth and expansion, numerical growth, stories of the outbreaking of like God's work and miracles. And then you get to the end of Acts, and there's like trouble after trouble, shipwrecks and snake bites. And, and it seems like the more Acts goes on, there's more persecution, and that faith becomes hard, yet the church became stronger. It's, it's weird, right? Like you would think the happy ending would be they start out slow and then it ends with all these massive conversions, but the book of Acts begins with mass conversions and it ends with trouble after trouble after trouble. In fact, the way the book of Acts ends, it's almost like Satan or the powers of darkness have been trying to stop this movement through persecution and deaths and cutting off people's heads and, and, and it's like none of that stuff's working. The gospel keeps advancing. So then the powers of darkness decides, okay, let's, let's give them uh, storms to keep the gospel from going, going to Rome. Let's send vipers to bite people. And it's like anything the powers of darkness wants to do to stop the gospel, it doesn't work because the gospel just keeps going. The good news of Jesus can't be stopped. Now, here's what's interesting. Some people have pointed out that Luke who, okay, so Luke wrote Luke and Luke wrote Acts. It's like part one, part two. And some people have suggested that Luke purposely ends the book of Acts in this attempt to parallel Acts with how Luke ends. So Luke ends with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. That death wants to take out Jesus and stop the movement, yet God raises Jesus from the grave, therefore destroying death forever. And Acts ends with death, attempting to stop a movement and destroy Paul. Yet that can't work either because the good news just keeps going. Whenever you study a culture, some have suggested when you study a culture, the more words that are used to describe something, the more important that word may be in the culture. So uh, in, in, in our culture, there are over 100 ways to describe the word money. We have one word, money. Yet there are over a hundred words to describe it. We have cash and dough and Benjamins and wads and moolah. And, and you're probably thinking of other words, right? To describe money. Yet money doesn't have the most words. 
in the English language, in the American culture, the Western world, the word that has the most words describing what that one word is, it's not money, it's death. Over 200 ways to describe the word death. Passed away, kicked the bucket, and more words and phrases will come. Because here's the deal. My buddy Jonathan Storman helped point this out, that since death entered into the world, our primary concern has been to avoid it. That, like, no one wants to come to the end of their life and find out that they, have, they didn't live for anything, right? But here's what happens when we become so fixated on death and not dying. Is it is possible for us to become so fixated on not dying and avoiding death that we never discover what it means to live. We can become so fixated on not suffering and trying to avoid pain, yet we miss out on what it means to really live. I'd be curious if you were to take a non-Christian who knew nothing about Jesus, nothing about Christianity, nothing about this faith, and you were to take 50 prayer request lists from 50 churches in the American culture or the Western world and have a non-believer who knew nothing about Christianity read 50 prayer request lists from churches and then determine what they think the center of Christianity is. Because my hunch is that they're going to assume that well, what Christianity is, is it's a group of people who care deeply about physical wellness and not dying. Because you know what words usually are left off per request lists? Words like Jesus and evangelism and sharing faith and being more generous and being people of compassion and taking a risk. It's phrases that call us deeper into the purposes of God. Yet early on in Christianity... A word that they would use to describe Christians is that we are witnesses. We're witnesses of what God has done, yet witness comes from the word martyr, which means that we're laying it all on the line. Everything we are, we are not fearful of death. We're going forward with life. So I, I think one of the reasons Luke ends by telling this long story of shipwrecks and being at sea is that for the Jewish culture, the sea was like the abyss. The sea stood for darkness. People were scared of the sea. There are a lot of stories told about Jews did not swim because they were fearful of stepping into the sea because the sea is where all these stories have been told. Yet in Acts 27 and 28, you learn that the sea can't swallow up the gospel. The sea can't swallow up the good news of Jesus spreading to Rome and to the ends of the earth. So what we are left with as the church is stories, personal stories, of how God's inviting us into deeper places. So for the graduating seniors and for the church, let's not be rim huggers who stand at the edge and appreciate what God has done. Instead, let's join in. Let's get in on what God is still doing in the here and now. Will you bow your heads? Close your eyes. If you're willing, will you just open your hands where you are? Open your hands before God to receive from him. And God, we pray to you. The one who risked for us so that we can risk for you. The one who doesn't ask us to do anything you haven't already done. The one who doesn't give us an assignment that you were not willing to step into to help us to fulfill it. 
So God used this worship service this morning. Everything that is done, the way we have honored seniors, the way we pray, the way we sing songs to encourage us, inspire us, and energize us to be a certain kind of people this week. God, somewhere in our sphere of influence, somewhere within just a few feet of where we will stand this week or where we will work or where we will lay our heads, there are people who don't know Jesus and they are suffering from great pain, emotionally, physically, whatever it may be. Teach us, God, what it means to be courageous and fearless, bold and passionate. And this week, may the kingdom of God advance through this church and where we go. We pray this in the power of the name of Jesus. Amen. I want to ask the shepherds this morning and prayer leaders, if you will, go to your places to receive people for prayer. If there's anyone who this is a day you need to confess Jesus as the Lord of your life, you want to live your life for him and be baptized into Christ, we invite you to come and join us at the front. If you would like just to go with one of our shepherds or one of our female prayer leaders for prayer, will you go and find them now? Let's stand together. Let's sing a song.